Hello and welcome. We are happy to have you here listening with us and we're happy to be here, here on the campus of Kentucky Wesleyan College. We are coming at you with Campus Ministries going back over our last chapel, Who Deserves It, as we go over support. Here with us today we have... Hi, I'm Hunter Matthews. I'm a senior health science major and I'm on the tennis team. Hi, I'm Jenna Burns. I'm a senior zoology major and I'm on the track team. And I'm Mickey Richardson. I'm pastor of St. John United Methodist Church here in Owensboro. Uh, at its core, uh, support theologically comes from the Trinity. It's it's based very much in the uh, ultimate expression of God, uh, the triune nature of God. Um, C.S. Lewis, in his uh, text called The Four Loves, goes back and he looks at this idea that the Trinity is really a relationship and it's a supporting relationship uh god the father god the son god the holy spirit are all uh supportive of each other in that they affirm each other they confirm each other uh and they are relational to each other and they do it all in perfect love Uh, I think that's the basis for uh, Christian support and our theological idea of Christian support. Uh, As Christians, we are designed, Scripture tells us, to be in relationship with two things. Number one, with God. And number two, with each other. Uh, Love God is the first most important commandment that Jesus said. The second, he said, was love your neighbor. And, and so our, our essential um, nature, uh, our essential uh, essence of our being is to be in uh, supportive relationship with one another. Uh, that is, is grounded firmly uh, in the triune nature of God and in, in the understanding, our understanding of, of Christ himself. Because you specifically opened up with how most of the people in the room we're there to get a degree. And so like how we aren't really born with the skills right out of the womb that we know exactly what we're going to do. We were designed for community. We were made in community. Mm-hmm. And so just the same as whenever we're learning stuff, we have to be taught and that requires us to be surrounded by people as well. Yeah. Our success in life, our survival is very much uh, intertwined and interdependent. Um, uh, like I said, no, nobody is born with the knowledge to read or write. It took a team of people, and, and I don't want to say it takes a village, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it did. It took a team of people in order to get uh, an individual uh, to the point where they could come and they could read a book on a college level. Uh, so success uh, requires having others in your life, having supportive others in your life. Um, many years ago, there was a study, uh, and it showed that a, a child, in order to be successful as an adult, to be a, a contributing member of society in our life, um, in modern society, I should say, that it took at least 14 positive influences, encouraging, uh, supporting, and uh, sparring that child on to Uh, greater heights, 14 people over the course of their life that needed to come in and to lead them. And that's very true. We see that reflected in in Christianity. Uh, I mean, after all, Jesus had 12 disciples, right? 
Jesus had people around him that followed him, that supported him. They supported each other. They lifted each other up in prayer. They held each other accountable. They they loved each other. Uh, so Jesus and his disciples certainly uh, uh, model this idea of um, Christian life lived in community. Just one thing I'm thinking about is just the difference between like living your life surrounded by people and then also like like your church family and maybe like your small groups because those two things are great things and you can have that that once twice even three times a week of like incredible people but I think it's also important that your day-to-day like your friends that you're actively surrounding yourself with every single day like that plays a huge role too Mm -hmm. and you talked about having your 10 and so sitting there in chapel um, I was sitting by one of my best friends and I was just thinking about who my 10 would be. And at first I was like, gosh, do I have 10? And then I started listing them and I came up with like 20 (laughs) just really quick, which is awesome. And then I was thinking about my life and like seeing patterns in my life of maybe when I was struggling more or when I was just doing really, really well and just like my relationship with God was at its peak. And there's a pattern there of if I was spending a ton of time with those 10 people or if I was giving into isolation or maybe other friends that I was pouring into, but I also needed to be poured into by my 10. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about those patterns is interesting. It is. It is. And, and, you know, we never, when we are children, we never wanted to listen to our mothers about who we hung out with, you know, uh, guilt by association. We, we didn't want to believe that it was true that, uh, you know, if we hung out with the wrong crowd that we ourselves would eventually uh, succumb and become the wrong crowd. Uh, but there is some, some basis and truth for that. Uh, we pick up the habits and the um, kind of the mindset of the people that we interact with. And so that means that it's our free will to choose who we we associate with. And we as Christians need to intentionally seek out supportive, Christian, trusted individuals. So We're just very easily influenced, I feel like. And it's mm-hmm. easy to not realize it, too. Like you can just keep going through the motions and then you... When you really evaluate, like self-evaluate, oh my gosh, like what am I, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I feel like. I agree. And I I see pain as a a great part of this. I've seen so many people um, in pain retract from society. Uh, They've been rejected. They've uh, been hurt. Uh, And so their first instinct and our first instinct as humans is if I get hurt, I'm recoiling. I'm, I'm pulling back into myself. I'm, I'm sheltering myself. I'm, I'm going into self-protective mode. And that's, that's sometimes dangerous. That's where we get on tricky ground. And so as Christians, we, we often have to remind ourselves as we start going down that rabbit hole, hey, wait on, hold up. Um, I'm, I'm slipping a little bit. I'm falling. I'm, I'm, I'm going into the dark. And I, I need to reach out and, and find a supportive individual who will, uh, who will, who will kind of walk this, this dark road with me. Um, and we need to make ourselves available to others mm-hmm. uh, because there are people all around us who are, who are trying to reach out for a trusted, supportive Christian friend who can be uh, <laughs> a light in dark places. Uh, I often think of, uh, if you've seen the movie Lord of the Rings, um, I'm kind of a geek and a nerd, but um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings had, had Frodo and Sam. 
And uh, uh, I always think of that as a, a, a good um, kind of secular example of Christian friendship. They will walk that dark road to mortar with you um, kind of thing. Yeah, going off that a little bit, um, here on campus my sophomore year when we were put in isolation for COVID, it was one of the toughest years I've had here at college. Um, Just felt like we weren't able to be around anybody. Felt like we weren't able to do anything. So it was just really, really hard, and I know Jenna could probably speak for this as well. Um, But uh, this campus... God does amazing things to the people here um, my junior year and even a little bit my sophomore year because we, we still got to do G groups and stuff um, just not as often or not be around our friends as much but it's given me some of the best friends and yeah. I know a lot of people say who are your who's in your inner circle and I know Jenna was picking on this a little bit earlier but it's very important to have Christ Christ minded individuals like with you on a daily basis in your inner circle because ultimately that's who you're going to be you're going to be influenced by the people that are closest to you absolutely so if you let it's kind of like junk in junk out type of thing if you let junk in then you're just going to have junk out Mm -hmm. so i felt like just having making sure you're mindful about who's in your inner circle and making sure they're leaning you towards christ and that's the most important thing Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it seems as though um, COVID uh, with isolation was was very difficult. Um, and, and I think that's why we are seeing so many, so much um, emotional angst in society today uh, and so much um, just division um, between COVID and and social media and uh, being on our phones and being, um, we just are moving towards a very isolationist-based culture. Uh, That's where the world is taking us. And as Christians, we, we need to look at that and say, you know what, that's not what scripture says that's that's not what is uh, formulated in the bible now i'm all for uh you know having personal alone time uh there are people i'm a i'm a devout introvert and and if i don't have alone time i get cranky and that's not pretty um so i need time to recharge my battery but um living a life in complete isolation or um in a, in a context where you don't interact with people uh, in a positive way, in a, in a holy way, in a, in a non-computer uh, way, non-engineered way, uh, organically, I guess is what I want to say, uh, is really, um, really kind of the thing. So, I'm also a huge introvert, <laughs> and I've noticed that like I need... So extroverts are fueled by people, introverts are fueled by self and alone time, but I've noticed that with the right people, I don't, my, my fuel tank mm-hmm. doesn't run low nearly as fast. Like I have a few people in my life that count as alone time, yes. which I think is really cool and just so happens to be that they're incredible people and that they're Christians as mm-hmm. well. Not a coincidence, but you know, yes, it's absolutely. just really cool to see. Yeah. 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 I love the fact that we are given this glimpse of the birth of the, the early church. Mm-hmm. And what I love is that, um, just to kind of set the scene again, we have um, 3,000 people 
they are brand new Christians. They are hearing about Jesus Christ for the first time. They are coming to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, and now what, what do we do with them? Do we throw them a Bible and say, hey, good luck with that? No. We take them and we put them in community. Uh, Acts 2, 42 tells us, starting with 42, says that they the they devoted themselves, and these are the, the 3,000, to the apostles' teaching. So in other words, they sat together in a classroom and they learned together. And to fellowship. So they did fun stuff together too. And to the breaking of bread, they ate together and to praying together. These people coordinated their lives with each other. It was like they were on their own little college campus and they had formed their own little group. Verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe at how many signs and wonders were performed. All the believers were together and they held everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. As I said before, and as John Doan greatly pointed out in the time of Queen Elizabeth I, no man is an island. Uh, And that is essentially true if we as Christians want to continue on uh, in our salvation, to uh, continue on to what John Wesley would have called Christian perfection or or complete sanctification, uh, that uh, complete Christ-likeness, then we need uh, people. We need interactions with uh, Christian folk in our life, Uh, people that we trust, people that we... uh, that are like our Samwise Gamgees who will walk that road with us. And whenever you think about like the 3000, cause I know you had mentioned if you had just handed them a book mm-hmm. and told them here, you go read it mm-hmm. and figure it out. Like that would have led them yeah. nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, cause they didn't know what that looked like. They didn't see mm-hmm. that example for themselves. Cause I know for me, whenever like learning styles, like, I've got to, I can't just read something like I have to do Mm -hmm. it and like see it like I'm a very visual learner. And in the sense of like, that would be like the best thing to visually learn. Sure. Uh, Imagine if your, your college professor had just handed you a textbook of uh, chemistry and said, here, take this, take it home and, uh, and read it. And, you know, in six weeks we'll come back and I'll give you your final and we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have worked very well. You have to have that uh, that other individual, uh, that mentor, that guide, that person who, who walks beside you, um, for better or for worse, uh, who holds your hand when you're scared, who, uh, who uh, points out when you're wrong, who uh, mm-hmm. explains complicated things to you. Christianity uh, is a complicated thing. There are times where Christianity is scary. You have to step out on faith. Mm-hmm. There are times where Christianity is confusing. Uh, and, and so we need those, um, those saints who are further along in the process mm-hmm. uh, to be our mentors. And I just think of like thinking back to like the title of the chapel, like who deserves it? Like Mm -hmm. there's not anyone that does not deserve support. And like 
we also have to think that for like ourselves too, like we have to put yourself in positions where you're getting that fruitful support mm-hmm. from like-minded individuals, but also being that someone for someone that doesn't have that. Absolutely. Someone. Absolutely. Um, so I think that question is like, who deserves it? Every, you know, everybody mm-hmm. does. Um, just like they deserve to have access to life giving and life changing gospel, like the mm-hmm. gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's something that Absolutely. everyone deserves. You know, I think we all know that there's one friend in our life who, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter what we say, uh, will always be there for us. Um, we may have more than one, but at least there's, there's always one. We need to start being that to people. That's, that's what Christ was mm-hmm. to his disciples. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right in that everyone deserves that. I was just thinking about, I'm very, like I glossed over it earlier very briefly, but just the analogy of your cup being full and then you can pour into other people with a full cup, but if your cup's empty, then you can't pour into other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just like, cause I will get down on myself about that. Like trying to be like Jesus. Like I always want to be the person who's giving and loving everybody, but like I've had some, some of my 10 <laughs> remind mm-hmm. me that I have to be poured into first. And I'm like, oh, but that doesn't feel like as selfless right. as yeah. I should be. But Jesus had to take time away too. He like did. I have to remember mm-hmm. that, like he had to step away and go into prayer yeah. and just take time and everything like that. And I just like, reminding myself of that I feel like that could help other people too just remembering that Mm -hmm. you have to be spiritually full and well Mm -hmm. or else trying Mm -hmm. to pour into other people could go very poorly (laughs) absolutely and what happens when people aren't pouring into you what happens when you run dry Mm -hmm. and and you're you're trying to be the person God has called you to be Mm -hmm. but you're running on empty um, I, I think we see a little bit of that in Jesus in the Garden of Eden, or in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, he's desperately needing some support, and he brings along three of his friends uh, after the Last Supper, and they end up falling asleep on him. They're like, dude, they don't understand how desperately he needs their support. And and so I think, you know, uh, that's a really good example of... of when we get that desperate and we get that, that cry of, of, you know, God, take this cup from me, mm-hmm. um, that we really are empty and that we have nothing left to pour out. Mm-hmm. You have to have that fill in. So you're actually learning and growing in that because if you're not, then it's just a stagnant kind of faith. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote and I don't really know exactly how it goes, but it talks about how the brain is like a reservoir you can keep pouring in. It can be that if you let it and you can keep pouring in that water and the knowledge, so to say. Um, but if you never let that knowledge out, then that water becomes stagnant and it becomes useless and not good for anything because you're not letting it out and letting that new water come in. And and when we, we try to hold that in, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we, when we start to get on that dangerous ground is when we start to um, slip out of our Christianity, when we start to backslide, when we start to exhibit behaviors, uh, thoughts, attitudes, uh, and, and we become susceptible to temptation, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, you know, temptation with our mouth or temptation with our bodies or, or, or what have you. Uh, when we get in that, uh, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. And it can be really detrimental, uh, again, which is why we need that someone who goes mm-hmm. and comes to us and says, hey, I think we, you know, you're, you're going to a place that's not good. Let me, let me walk up with you a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's an it's a, a issue of right or wrong or it's an issue of, uh, hey, I, I just see that you're, you're, you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because at one point in time we all struggle. I had a, I had a wonderful uh, religion professor when I was in college many many years ago, and he used to call it the blue funk. And if you're a jazz person, you you know exactly what he's talking about. And he would go through these spells where he would get cantankerous. I mean, you could physically see it in the way that his uh, lectures would unfold. Uh, they would become sardonic in, in, a, in a way. And you just knew that he was descending into his blue funk. Mm-hmm. And the way he would cure that is he would take a day, he would sit in his office, and he would constantly play Coltrane and Miles Davis and, and just kind of be, be angry for a day sit and stew in the anger and and just kind of let whatever it was that had drawn him into that had broken him uh, wash out of his system and I always remember that when I think of this 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 um, refilling myself kind of kind of metaphor uh, is you know that sometimes we all need to sit in the dark and play a little Coltrane and Davis and have a blue funk day uh, in order to heal ourselves and to let that acidity of the world wash out. Uh, I think it can be very, very healing. And I think God can certainly be in the midst of that, um, uh, that, that movement, that motion, that uh, catharsis. And that's also, that could look like a lot of different things too, just like writing stuff out and getting everything out. Cause I know that a lot of like you just hold stuff like for me, like I hold stuff in my brain, but then if I like get it all out, then it's like okay, it's mm-hmm. not. I've addressed it, and now we're gonna move on from it. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. like what you were saying with the sure. blue funk, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think our, I think you know, Jesus went up. Uh, I often call it going up to the mountain. Um, he would go up, and he would find places to be alone. And I think that was him working through. You know the things that that he was struggling with, uh, because he was completely human. Mm-hmm. He was also completely divine, but you know he still felt every pain, every struggle, every emotion, every uh, mental anguish that that humanity that we do. And so I th- I think even he uh, exhibits this idea of going someplace and and just uh, having it out with your own thoughts, if you will. Mm-hmm. Support is an interesting, uh, it's kind of a nebulous topic, but it's a, a good thing, I, I, I think. And Christian support, um, defining that uh, can be a multitude. Uh, we can do it in, in a plethora of ways, uh, but it's really good good thing to look at. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's something that's not talked about enough. Like, I feel like we always go through the same type of, I guess, the same same scripture, same uh, teachings every every week, every... I mean, it all has a theme, but I don't think that this is talked about enough, especially with the way the world is now. I think we need this more than ever. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. If you would bow with me. Dear gracious Lord, we are so grateful to be gathered here, Lord. We ask that you, you bless this ministry, Lord, and that you bless those who are tuning in. Lord, we ask that you be with them, that you lift them up in the deepest part of their spirit. Lord, we praise you. And we thank you for this beautiful day. Be with us as we go throughout the rest of it. Lead us and guide us in all that we say and do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.